welcome to the New Life Fellowship podcast. New Life Fellowship is a community of grace in Kitchener, Ontario, Canada. Our goal is to teach and share and experience the life of Jesus Christ together. You're about to listen to a message from one of our meetings. Please make sure to check out our website, newlifekw.ca. Without further ado, let's listen in. All right. I do believe that um, my call for applause for the worship team was a little early. Uh, we can do that again, I think. Uh, that was excellent. Did a great job. Just a little bit early. Um, you guys are outstanding. And uh, it's just so great uh, for us to be able to, again, obviously sing the carols together, but, but also just uh, be able to share our gifts that way. So great stuff, great stuff. Uh, I'm just going to grab some water quickly. So I asked you guys a question before. Asked everybody a question before. And I'm not sure if we all got it online, though, so I'm going to just kind of go over our, um, just kind of what's happening again this morning. Uh, we're going to do a little bit of an interactive service, so there's going to be some questions that are going to be asked to everybody here at Landmark uh, Cinemas here in Kitchener. Uh, but then also online, you guys are able to comment as well on the questions, and then uh, we have Mr. Ross here who's going to be kind of forwarding us those comments as well, and we can have some chats about that too. Um, but then we're also having communion. So obviously, if you're with us here um, online and you're joining with us this morning, uh, if you have a chance, you want to run out and just grab some, some elements. I mean, it could be apple juice. It could be bread. I mean, I don't think Lucky Charms counts, though, because of the word charms, unlucky, <laughs> which is the whole phrase. Uh, so, uh, but you could, grab, you could grab something else you know, to kind of join in communion with us. So we're just going to have a, 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 that time of communion at the end of the message. So, uh, so I want to ask a question to you guys. You've had some time to think about it. So the question again was, what are some examples in, in, in our, our older crowd? This is your moment. What are some examples of things that we used to wait for that we don't usually wait for anymore? You've had some time to think about it. Uh, and so Mr. Ross is here, Pastor Ross is here, and he just wants to pass the mic out uh, to anybody. Uh, and so you just kind of put up your hand and to, he'll hand the sanitized mic to you. And then we'll, we'll get those comments out. So let's, let's hear some examples of some things we used to wait for. Well, just, uh... Santa Claus! <laughs> <laughs> what? Where is she? Where she is? Who's she? <laughs> I was looking for Mrs. Claus because I've completed my, uh... Oh, yeah, she's, yeah, she's just behind you there. I want to, uh, I don't want to miss this. So you don't mind if I join you? Oh, that's it. <laughs> wow. Everyone, let's give him a hand. Sorry, sorry, everybody. Santa Claus just arrived. He took a pause um, from being Mr. Claus and, and joined us here for some applause. Um, so he, Mr. Mr. Claus is here. Uh, sorry, sorry, kids. Um, he'll, don't worry, he'll get back on track with the more important things that he's been called to do. Um, all right. So do we have some questions? Do you have some answers here Could we, for... Um, what are some examples of some things we used to wait for? So for me, with the cassette tapes, I used to wait 
with a blank cassette tape yes. with a radio playing yeah. <laughs> for my favorite song. And you had to be there right in time to press record. Wow. Wow, that's, that's a great response. I mean, some of us remember that, right? I mean, some of us who, were, uh, who did things like that. Okay, I did that too. Yeah, I totally did. Yeah, you got it. Well, I'm so old that I remember when you had to wait for people to get home so you could talk to them on the phone. Oh. Or if they were already talking to someone, you got a busy signal and you had to wait and call them back on your big heavy phone. Wow. Uh -huh. Okay, so, so, that, so that comment was basically like, well, yeah, like having to wait, <laughs> having to wait to get you get home so you could talk to someone over the phone, the landline phone that had like a cord and you needed to punch the numbers in. Oh my goodness. Or do you remember the dial? Remember having to wait and if you got it wrong, you're like, oh, what? Start again. Start again. Okay, so we, we have another response. Mr. Eldon, come on, let us know. Um, one of the things I used to love uh, about Christmas was in, in the olden days when I grew up, you couldn't get um, a lot of citrus fruits in the winter. So we, had, we didn't have clementines, we had mandarin oranges, which are far better than clementines generally. And, <laughs> and they always showed up around Christmas time, so I always looked forward to that. Oh, that's awesome. Now, there, are they, are, is everyone hearing this, like hearing Eldon's comments online too? If not, I'll just repeat it. So, so Eldon's just, they are? Okay, great, great, great. All right. Uh, Pastor Greg Ballard, give us an example. The next episode of your favorite show. Oh. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, especially after the season ends and you have to wait. Do you remember that? Like, not like season four ended and then you could just watch it again, like right after the like season four ended, watch season five's like premiere, right? Like you actually had to wait, kids. You had to wait. Like honestly, it was crazy. Okay, go ahead. What's our next one? Uh, to go along with Christmas, the Sears Wish Book had the catalog. If some people don't know what that is, and you would circle all the good things. A catalog. A catalog. Something with cats. Cats logging. Okay, I understand. Thank you very much for that um, history lesson. Um, thank you so much. Anybody else? Any, any other examples of things you used to wait for? I see one hand. Yeah, it's, it's way up. Ross has got some, uh, got some stairs to climb there. There he goes. Uh, in grade school, I had a pen pal that lived in Japan, and so we had to wait <laughs> a long time for the letter to come back uh, once we'd written to her. Wow. I told, like, and, and I kind of remember that too from, from elementary school. Like, we used to have pen pals for school, and so you'd have to wait to get their responses. Not like this thing called email, <laughs> where you just type it in and they instantly get it, and they can instantly respond back to you. Uh, yeah, we'll take one more. Uh, I think I see Mr. Mr. and Mrs. Claus want to teach us about the past. Yes? <laughs> Waiting till uh, you actually give birth to find out the sex of the baby. Oh! <laughs> you totally stole like what I was gonna say. Like that was the one I had in my head. Now I have to think of another one. I already gave up, thanks guys. 
Wow, that was excellent. Yeah, that's so true. Like, I mean, we all. I, I mean, I mean, there was there was this time when we were when we were waiting for our kids, where people were like, "Oh, that's so special that you want to wait," you know. And it's like obviously you have the choice, right? But it's like, yeah, it was like such a special thing that you would want to wait and then be surprised, right? Oh my goodness, so many things we used to wait for, and we have the privilege of technology that even in the last ten years, things have sped up so quickly, right? I think, I think I watched a documentary recently that said that basically things have sped up so fast in the last 10 years that for us to catch up with the ethics of how fast technology is sped up, we'd have to actually go back 10 years to you know, even be safe or, or even uh, regain us a certain level of, uh, of, of, of peace in our lives because things have moved so quickly. Everything is so immediate. There's not so many things that we have to actually wait for. But then there's also a privilege and a learning uh, to when we have to wait. You know, I, I have to tell you a story, you know, um, obviously it's Christmas time, so this is a great time to talk about waiting, right? And I think I must have been elementary school age. I remember uh, my parents put the the wrapped gifts under the tree ahead of time. Now, depending on your temperament of your kids, that's either a good thing or a bad thing. And I remember myself personally, I, I actually went and saw like, okay, this, this you know, gift is, you know, it's got my name on it, you know, from Santa or whatever. I grab it, you know, I give it a little shake, you know, you wanna hear what's in there, right? And then, and then the, the going and investigating eventually turned into poking, and prodding and seeing how strong the gift wrap was. And then maybe if we push your hand higher enough, maybe it'll open and then you know, and then you'll be like, okay, I shouldn't do that. And then next thing you come back, you're like, well, just a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, I, that stopped after a few years. Uh, the trees, the presents didn't go under the tree as much as they used to because it was so hard to wait. It was so difficult. You just gotta know what's coming next. Um, but you know, you know, these days we're, we're learning, uh, not only personally, but as a community, how to wait. I mean, people are waiting for a vaccine so that in some way, shape, or form, we can be moved back to what normalcy looked like and what it felt like. Um, some of us are waiting uh, for a diagnosis. You're waiting for the doctor to give you a good diagnosis or, or a bad diagnosis. And, and in, in the waiting, you're processing. How am I gonna handle the results or the information? And what is that gonna do for me and my family? And then obviously if you're close to somebody who's waiting in that area, you also bear the burden of the waiting. Uh, if you're, if you're you know, in school and you're, you're waiting for marks right now, maybe you're waiting for marks from exams and marks from papers and you wanna know how well did I perform and, it's, and in, in that waiting, it's, there's a lot of stress. Maybe you're actually a little bit ahead when it comes to school and you've, you've actually journeyed to the place where now you've applied to go away to university. Maybe you applied to go away to college and you're waiting to hear back about whether or not you got in. And when we do have to do that, there's all kinds of stresses involved. There's, there's something to be said about those who are able to wait well. And we have all kinds of things. I'm sure if, if we, we're going to get a chance to ask that question, but I'm sure if all of us were 
polled right now. We were asked, what are some things in your life that you are currently waiting for? Maybe you're waiting on God to heal. Maybe it's healing things in your body. Maybe it's healing things in relationships. Uh, maybe you're, you're, you're waiting on, on, on you know, things to work out for you financially. Maybe you're waiting on, on your workplace to let you know that you can come back to work. Um, maybe, maybe you're waiting on a, a new child um, and, 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 and the expectations of, of the health of that child and all those things. There's so much waiting involved for so many of us. And so there's something to be said about those who are able to wait well. Because we all experience it, but maybe we don't all handle it very well. So I want to ask that question. Um, what are some things that we can do or we have done that have helped us to have patience, wait well in a difficult situation? Um, anybody here want to comment on that? Um, so the idea of waiting means focusing on something in the future, and if that's producing a lot of anxiety for myself, I, I try very much to keep my mind on the present, yeah. uh, particularly taking an attitude of thankfulness. So focusing on things that I can be thankful for now, trying not to be so focused and consumed by what I'm waiting for in the future. And uh, yeah. that's a very practical practice. Very important, absolutely. Anybody else? How, I think how, it helps to. Oh, oh, sorry, Rob. No, go ahead. I think it helps to uh, put it into perspective and to kind of take a step back from whatever it is that you're waiting on and kind of analyze whether what you're waiting on is really something that needs to be as urgent. Because, like you were saying, in this day and age, everything is so immediate. Being able to take a step back and go, is this waiting really that hard on me? Is this really something that I need to be this worried about? And is this anxiety and stuff that I'm feeling that important, or is there a purpose to the waiting? Yeah. Oh, that was perfect, Adam. Thanks so much for that. Anybody else? What are some ways that you've learned to wait well? Oh, just here. For me, waiting well involves trust. Um, mm. If I'm waiting... Uh, let's say for the vaccine, I have to I have to put my trust in people and organizations, um, which will often let me down. Government, which often lets people down, and um, but if I'm if I'm really trusting Jesus and I'm saying, okay, Lord, whatever you want to do in this situation, help me to accept your will, hmm. then um, th then it takes the pressure off off me, I guess it, maybe it doesn't take pressure off, but it just helps me, helps ease my mind and gives me some comfort knowing that I'm in great hands. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Eldon. I might take one more. Well, I would say, I would say just openly that that I know for myself too, like, I, like obviously, like thankfulness, like taking your mind off of it, you know, 
um, you know, putting your mind on, on what you know you, 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 you have control over, and then obviously just trust. Like those are all things that we can do to help us endure something, to wait well, to have patience. Um, and I know for myself when I often think about this, it, when it comes to waiting, it, it reminds me that I'm not in control. Anybody else there, right? You're, you're waiting for something and you realize, oh my goodness, I don't have the power to make the scenario. I'm at point A and I wanna get to point B. And that distance between point A and point B means that I don't actually have control over what happens next. And so if I'm able to trust, as Eldon said, if I'm able to release the results, if I'm able to discern that somebody is in control, then can give me a little bit of levity. Uh, we, we know who we're talking about here if we talk about who's in control. And so this morning I want to talk about um, one verse in particular that's often used when it's referring to the topic of waiting. But I want us to learn this morning about how Jesus, the high king of heaven, prince of peace, the one who came to earth as a baby and endured life as a human being, even though he was fully God, he endured it, he experienced what you and I experience. And even in the flesh, he didn't get to see the fullness of what he endured and waited for, uh, even in going to the cross. But Jesus constructed us and he considers us and he commissions us for whatever he has set aside for us to wait for. We're not alone in this. Jesus constructs us, he considers us, he understands us, but he also commissions us for whatever we're called to wait for. Um, I, I wanna tell you just a quick story you know, it's always a problem, you know. Ross is talking about this too, you know. If you want to preach on anger, you know, God might teach you things about anger. You know, might bring you through a scenario where you, you get angry and you have to deal with that. Uh, well, yesterday, I'm talking about waiting and having patience. Okay, so yesterday, I'm at a bakery. It's Deanne and I and Naomi. And we are going into a place to go and sit down. Now, you know most places aren't open for you to sit down, right? Limited seating. Just a bakery, we just want to have a donut and some coffee. We go into this bakery and we're, we're waiting to get our order. So we wait to get our order. Then we get our order done and then we're looking around the very, very small space. And in this very, very small space, uh, every, pretty much every seat is taken. There's no room in the inn. There's no room in the inn. There you go. There is no spots for us. And so we're standing there, we're waiting. Now Naomi's not as light as she used to be. Okay, she's, she's grown up. I know you guys remember her as a little baby used to carry. She's like two, almost three. So we're holding her and she doesn't want to go down. We don't want to sit her down because if she, she gets down on the ground, she's learned how to run. That's, that's a problem. <laughs> and she's also, she's also learned that she has free will. So that's also a problem. And so we, we just want to keep her safe so we don't want her to run. But here we are, we're standing with her and, and Deanne's holding her. I'm like, okay, here, let me hold her for a bit. And we're waiting. And obviously, like in like new age internet times, like five minutes is like five hours, right? <laughs> so we're standing there, we're waiting, and there's like people sitting and like watching us while they're having their coffee. And I'm like, oh, like, like my, my head is like bursting, like you could see us holding the child, you could see the, wait, the waitress is like going around asking if anybody's willing to move, like 
would somebody have some common sense and just like get up and leave? So I'm having all of these thoughts, right? These really, really hot thoughts. I'm getting kind of angry. And I realize, oh, I'm preaching on waiting tomorrow. I'm like, oh, I might, I might, I should probably put this into practice. <laughs> so, so I'm, I'm standing there and I'm realizing that the, like the hot thoughts, the angry thoughts, the, okay, I have to fight and defend my family thoughts. I have to fight and defend my self-righteousness and what is correct thoughts. Um, those aren't from Jesus. I have another thing going on that I'm feeling and sensing inside of me. And it is, it's just this quiet confidence. And I'm checking into that. And I'm saying, okay, I know that there's a part of me that's not me that wants me to react and get very upset and demonstrate my upsetness and demonstrate how strong I am. But there's another part of me that knows who's in control and can wait and can trust. And so I decided in that moment, you know what, I'm going to try and do that. Well, let me tell you, we did wait for a bit. Then somebody got up, then we sat down. My arms were tired, Deanne's arms were tired. The donuts were good, it was worth it. The thing is though, is that for, for me to react out of, and that thing I'm talking about that's in me that's not of me, the flesh, for me to react out of that would have had all kinds of consequences. But for me to have rest, rested and just been there with my family was all that we needed to just really and just enjoy each other, for me to just trust what I knew was true about who I was, about who knows me, and who's in control. Now, afterwards, when we were in the car, yeah, I, I kind of let the flesh have uh, you know, a way over what I was thinking in, you know, in my head, you know, how I was explaining myself to Deanne. But, you know, I, I, I asked for forgiveness afterwards. But, you know, it was, like, it was like in the moment, it was just like, man, this is so terrible. And so, I want to talk a little bit about this, a little bit about this experience, because I don't think this is a pat on the back to say, okay, well, Robin's got it all together. It's not that. It's an acknowledgement of what is in each and every one of us. The power of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, and one of the fruits of the Spirit is the word, starts with the P, it's patience. patience. It's there. Um, and so I want to go to an Old Testament text that kind of talks about what that looks like. And it's the, it's, the, it's the verse, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine, thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. This is Psalm 27, verse 14. And I am reading it from the King James Version. Oh, listen, you guys didn't know you were going to get holy in one shot. And I just doused holiness on you right there it's the king james version now you were wondering like why would he ever use the king james version and i just want to explain something you mind if i just take you to school for just a little bit just a little bit like not for that long okay wait on the lord be of good courage and he shall strengthen thine heart and then it's repeated wait i say on the lord now if you're looking at a psalm, this is particularly this psalm, what you're going to notice is that that term is repeated and that there's sort of like a, sort of a, a subordinate term um, in between. It's sandwiched between the, the command to wait. And so when poets were doing this back in the day, they, that subordinate term was a way of explaining to you 
how you should wait or how you should express that command. So again, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Now, let's look at the English Standard Version. If you don't mind me just doing that, let's just go look at the English Standard Version, okay? It's a little bit different. It says this, wait on the Lord, be of good courage. And what else does it say? And let your, and let your heart take courage, wait for the Lord. Now, there's something just going on here in the translation that I just want to express to you just very quickly. The English language is not extremely flexible. So the original language that this was written in is Hebrew, and Hebrew is very, very flexible. But English is not so flexible. So we actually have the privilege now in our time that we can read in English multiple translations of what the Hebrew says. So I always encourage people to really take that on. You know, if you're reading a verse or you're focusing on a verse at any point in time, like if you have your Bible app open or if you're on the internet, you know, BibleGateway.com is really great. You could pull up different uh, um, translations at once and then read that verse in multiple translations. And what that does is it helps you get a deeper sense of what the original language is trying to say. Now, bear with me. In the verse, that word, okay, that verb about shall strengthen your heart or strengthening your heart or um, what, what that verb is in its text, in its, um, sorry, uh, in its grammar is saying it's a, it's a causative action. So in the original language, it's a causative action and the causative action verbs could be either second person, which is you or your, or third person. Now, you, if, you, if you take that in consideration, you, you could translate it as, okay, well, you strengthen your own heart, right? Your, in second person, or if it's a third person, he strengthens your heart, right? Because there's a variation. You can go either way. Now, in the context of the entire verse itself, in the context of the entire verse, you could see that what the psalmist is talking about, the person who wrote this poem, they're talking about how God comes to the charge for you, how God does this, how God does that. It's a repeated theme throughout the whole chapter. And so when I was reading this through, I said, I usually teach from the English Standard Version, but for whatever reason, the King James Version, it just really speaks to the intimacy of Christ living in us and him empowering us to do something. I mean, originally, if you read the English Standard Version, and it's not wrong, right? It's like, yeah, like, let your, let your heart take courage. Yeah, obviously, we, we, should, we should turn our hearts to God. We should let our hearts take courage, for sure. But I feel like the King James is just speaking so much more to what we have in, in our experience as the New Covenant believers. That he is the one to strengthen our hearts. Okay, thanks for everyone for coming to school. You can give yourselves a hand for that. I'll hand you your degree when you're leaving, Okay. Um, I, I, even I was sweating through that. I was having some trouble with it, okay? Now, let's read again. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. So look at the response. You have courage. What is courage? Courage is looking, you're at point A, which is 
you've gone to the doctor and the doctor says, this is the diagnosis. This is what we've seen in your body. This is point A. Point B is you have, you have a disease that will slowly kill you. You have a disease that will destroy one of your organs. Um, you, or, or you're going to make it through this. Or it, it means nothing. So point A and point B, the distance between those is really, really important. And so the verse is saying, have courage. What is courage? Courage is being brave in the face of fear, being, having trust or having confidence in the face of an unknown result. So you take the opportunity, like Eldon says, you people who are here as children of God, God has specifically revealed himself to you and you said, yes, I choose to trust you. Now you have something in you that's not of you and that is battling with you and making you turn your attention away from God. But instead, this verse is saying, be of good courage, trust, turn your attention to him. And what's going to happen when you do that, God will strengthen you, right? Not just be of good courage and then, you know, stir up in yourself some more courage and feel strong in your heart. No, no. God is going to strengthen you when you respond in a position of trust towards him. I don't know how that makes you feel. But I, because I know some of us, we willingly trust, and sometimes the feeling doesn't come right away. We say, okay, God, I am praying for this outcome. I am waiting for you for this situation. And it doesn't feel good to be in this place of waiting. And I need you to show up. Anybody else here like that? Jesus, I need you to show up in some way, shape, or form. And it needs to be immediate, like the internet, right now. But what I love is that this verse is saying, listen, it's a given. When you turn and trust to him, when you are willing to say, you are the one who's in control, I am not in control. And quite honestly, your circumstances have revealed to you that you are not in control. So why don't you just trust the one who is? And trust what his word says. I will strengthen your heart. What is the word heart in Hebrew? The heart, word heart in Hebrew talks about your emotions. It's not just your mind. It's your feelings. He'll empower your emotions to make it through something. Please, online and in the room right now, if God has ever strengthened your heart during a time of testing, raise your hand. Has God ever empowered you to wait through something. Absolutely. Sorry, I didn't ask you to raise your hands again. Oh, sorry, there you go. Thanks, guys. It's true, he's there, he's willing to do that. More than willing, he promised it in his word that he's going to strengthen your heart. He's going to give you the emotion to endure this. This lines up with who you are in Christ. Why is that? It's because who you were, the essence of who you were, your spirit before Jesus, before you came to believe, it, it was not connected to God. It was disconnected. It, it, it couldn't do anything on its own to be connected to God, to be righteous. It was just, it was dead on arrival. So that essence of who you are, your spirit, 
had to die. It had to be crucified with Christ, like Galatians 2.20 says. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but it's who? Christ. Christ, who lives in me. And the life that I live now in the body, I live by faith in the one who loved me and gave himself for me. When that old body died, that was, it died with Christ, but when Christ was raised from the dead, you were raised now with a new spirit. And this new spirit is connected to God. It, it is good natured. It, it, it's, it wants to please God. However, the effects of sin that you were born into in your body, the flesh, something that's in you but it's not of you, it's weak at accomplishing what God wants. And it wants to make you take control of your mind, take control of your emotions, take control of your decision-making, and turn your attention away from God to go back to doing things the way you used to do it, to finding ways to endure times of suffering the way you used to do it. You know what I'm talking about right now. Ways that you used to endure. Maybe in a time of waiting, when you're frustrated in a relationship, or you're frustrated with things that are going on in your body, or you're frustrated with things that are going on at work, that frustration and anxiety, you would try to deal with that pain in an unhealthy way. So maybe you would turn to alcohol because it would give you a bit of relief. And I say a bit of relief because in the morning, it doesn't feel like relief. Or you might turn to, to drugs. I, I, even right now, I, I wanted to hesitate on saying this, but I want to say it right now. I actually struggled with painkillers for, for a few years. Not necessarily to the point um, that it was doing terrible harm, but I think I caught it in time that I was taking painkillers, I was taking um, anti-inflammatories regularly because the stress that was in the, my body from what I was experiencing was so overwhelming and I wasn't going to God. I wasn't trusting God with the situation. I was dealing with it in the way that I knew how. And because of what was going on in my body, it only made sense for me to become addicted to painkillers. Uh, and a doctor caught it early, and I was able to stop doing that and uh, protect a lot of my organs from doing that. But you know, you, you've been there. You've experienced that. Ways that you tried to deal with the waiting that weren't the way that God designed it. And instead, what he wants us to do is to trust him. And what does the verse say? When we trust him, he's going to strengthen our hearts. So that's your new spirit. But guess what? Your new person who's been raised with Christ is also joined with Jesus' spirit. And his spirit, joined with your spirit, wants to express through your mind, through your emotions, through your body, the fruit of his spirit. And what are the fruits of his spirit? It's joy. It's love. It's peace. And there's that other P word. It's patience. patience. So he wants to empower you from the inside out to endure whatever you are facing. You have been constructed to endure the weight. Let me say it again. You have been constructed. You've been made to endure the weight of whatever you're experiencing. But not only that, he wants to empower you 
to endure the weight. Awesome. That's good stuff, right? Um, the flesh is weak. The flesh is weak, and the flesh is impatient. That's the effects of sin that's in your body. It's weak, and it's impatient. It doesn't have the power to direct you towards life, towards the things that are eternal, towards the things that are going to be healthy for you. It doesn't have the power to do that. It's only capable of bringing you towards things that are unhealthy, like painkillers, like alcohol, like binging on Netflix shows all night when you have an exam the next day. Like, listen, it's only capable of doing that. But who you are in Christ is not weak. Let me say that again. Who you are in Christ is not weak. And it's not impatient. Your new nature and the power of the Spirit in you is now your new identity. And so sometimes we are quick to call ourselves impatient. Right? Oh, I'm impatient. I have trouble waiting for this. And it ends up becoming a reason for why you end up doing whatever you do. Right? Because you're justifying it. Well, I'm bad. I'm bad. I'm a bad person. I'm impatient. So I'm going to do these bad things because I'm a bad person. It's bad self-talk, as they say in schools these days. It's bad self-talk. Because the truth is that God hasn't made you that. He's given you a new, good nature that is righteous, that's connected to God. But he's also empowered you now to endure whatever you're facing. But you have something in you that gives you the feeling of impatience. And sometimes, like sitting there in that bakery, when you're getting frustrated and you're feeling those hot thoughts, you're feeling those, you know, the blood rushing to your head, and you're tensing up about things you should do, there's someone who is at play in there. It's something called the flesh. It's sin. The flesh is weak and impatient, but you are not. And it's important for us to make sure that we are aware of who we are in Christ, but we're also aware of the one who's in control. He has constructed us. He has commissioned us through his power to endure the weight. But he also considers us. He knows what it's like to wait. Um, yeah, I've said it before. i said it several times already today. But like, Jesus came as a baby. A baby. A newborn baby. And he had to be cared for. Like, quite honestly, God, if you want to save the whole world, let's speed this thing up. Why a baby? Like, let's get this done. Like, like why didn't he just come down out of the skies and just say, yo, full adult, let's do this cross thing. Let's get this over with. Right? Why a baby? Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 says this, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness. What's weak? The flesh. It's in our bodies. It's pointing us towards things that hurt us. It's trying to kill us slowly. Jesus experienced what it was like to have a body, to have a flesh in your body. He experienced what it was to be tempted. It says this, For we, have, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. 
He knew what it was like to endure this. He knew what it was like to endure what you were living through, to have a body, to have illness, to have temptation. He experienced it. Why? Because he considers you. He wanted to have complete solidarity with humanity. He did not only want to come and quickly save us, he wanted to experience what it was to be us so that now as we call out to him in our times of waiting, when verses say, wait on the Lord, wait on him, and you're like, how? This is tough. I cannot do it. This is tough. I don't have the ability to do it. I am not strong enough. Jesus says, have, have a bit of courage. Trust me, and I'm going to help you. Why? Because I know what it's like. I know what it's like. I get it. He considers you. So beautiful. I love this verse too. Uh, sorry, going back to Psalm uh, 27 verse 14. We don't have to turn there right now necessarily, but it, it doesn't say, okay, wait on the Lord and then God's going to fix everything. Do you catch that? It doesn't say wait on the Lord and then I'm going to fix your problems. It says, no, wait on the Lord and I'm going to strengthen you in thine heart to make it through whatever I've called you to wait through. And what happens when we do that? Let me tell you. Sometimes the, the, the beacon of being a good Christian in our minds is everything is going well for you. You got the job you want. You got the house you want. You got the kids you want. You know, your kids are behaving. Everyone thinks you're, you're great because your kids are great. You know, you're achieving all this stuff. Everyone's like, oh, you're great. And we're like, okay, well, that, that is God at work in someone's life. Listen, Jesus experienced a life of suffering. He experienced everything that he experienced so you would know what it's like to endure and to experience weakness. And there is something to be said for the believer who, in, who waits well. You know these people. These people who are going through terrible times, but yet they have this outstanding quietness and confidence through the whole thing. They're able to endure well. And people who are not believers, who are looking in on this and are saying, wow, how is this person enduring this? That's super natural. How are they enduring this cancer diagnosis? How are they enduring um, being separated from family when they're a single person because of COVID? How are they enduring this? Well, let me tell you, there is a supernatural power at work in them that is helping them to endure. And some of us have been commissioned to go through a waiting period, not because God is sadistic and he wants to harm you, but sometimes we're enduring something because God wants to prove to the world how strong he is and how strong he is in you. He wants to prove something to people who are watching on the sidelines as you're enduring something. And while you wait, and while you have courage, he is going to strengthen your heart. He's going to empower you to make it through. I love this, um, uh, this verse, um, <clears throat> this uh, set of verses from the song Seasons um, by Hillsong. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. And we're going to take communion very shortly. <clears throat> Um, but there's this, there's this, this verse from, the, uh, or set of verses from the song, Seasons from Hillsong, and it goes like this. You are the God of seasons, and I am just in the winter. 
if all I know of harvest is that it's worth my patience, then if you're not done working, God, I am not done waiting. You can see my promise even in the winter because you're the God of greatness, even in a manger. For all I know of seasons is that you take your time. You could have saved us in a second. Instead, you sent a child. Uh, when I first heard this song, I was going through a season of waiting, and it was just everything I needed to hear, just that last line. It was everything I needed to hear in that moment. Um, and there was just a wellspring of emotion when I heard it because it just spoke so much to how much he cares about us in the midst of the waiting. Not only that, each and every one of us, you're watching online, you're, you're here in the, in the cinema, you might be enduring something, you might be waiting through something, you might be being, doing your best on your own to be patient, but you have God who's there to support you, but you also have your church family. And so this is an encouragement for us to reach out to people too, and let them know if the flesh is giving you a hard time, is making you feel impatient. And have somebody else come alongside you and remind you of what is true. The flesh is weak. The flesh is impatient, but you're not. And if you need help believing that, I want to come alongside you and help you do that. It's a beautiful thing. Um, we're going to take communion now. If you're with us online, you can, um, you can grab uh, the elements as well. Um, but everybody here, you have your elements, and so uh, the band is going to play quietly while we do that, but let me just pray and then lead us into this time. So, Jesus, thank you so much uh, for the blessing of this community and that we can be reminded of the truth, uh, of who we are in you and what you've done and that you strengthen us. And it's all great, um, but I pray right now that if there is anybody in the hearing of this message who's having a hard time with the flesh, it's making them feel impatient, and they're feeling like kind of giving in to the flesh and finding other ways to deal with the waiting, I pray that right now you'd strengthen them. Even in, this, even in this theater right now, I pray you would empower them, help them to know, help them to sense, even as they're taking communion, that you're with them and you're empowering them. And that's this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, the night that he died, uh, sorry, on the, on the night before he died, uh, Jesus got the disciples together in the upper room and, and uh, he took some bread and he broke it. He said, this is, this is my body that's broken for you and I want you to eat of this and when you eat of it, I want you to remember that I died for you. I want you to remember that. But the fullness of that is that when we take of communion, we're not only remembering that he died for us, but that we died with him. Our sinful nature, our old nature died with him. It's gone. And now we are resurrected with a new nature. And he also took some wine and he, and, uh, and he drank of it and, he, and they passed it around and they all drank of it and he said, this is the, this is the drink of the new covenant. This is the, this is the, the wine that you're going to take for the forgiveness of sins to demonstrate that you have been completely forgiven of your sins, past, present, and future. That there is no longer anything that could separate you from the love of God. The thing that separated humanity from the love of God was sin. But if Jesus defeated the power of sin, 
And so now there is nothing disconnecting you from God if you choose to believe this. So let's take of the communion wafer and take of your drink. If you're here in the cinema and if you're at home, let's take of it together right now. You've been listening to the New Life Fellowship podcast. Thanks for joining us. For more great content, please be sure to check out our website, newlifekw.ca, and sign up for our mailing list. Subscribers will receive our The Life in the Apartment ebook that is sure to encourage and bless. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch the latest services and additional video content. New Life Fellowship is a registered charity that is supported by the giving of partners and friends. All donations will be received. If you would like to donate, donate at newlifekw.ca. Your giving is highly valued and appreciated. You are loved. Take care.